0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The conservative review with Daniel Worlds.
1: And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Miniman standing at the ready to fight for liberty to the one and only CR podcast here at Blaze Media. Friday, January 15th, the end of a hellish week, the end really of a hellish two weeks. What a way to start the year. But, as I've noted, all is not lost. There is some light amidst the darkness. Not everything I said in my end-of-year message turned out to be false when I talked about 2021 hopefully being a year for freedom because the year is still young. And the fact that it is so dark means that we stand at a precipice. The truth is, ultimately everything is in the hands of God. But... Our destiny is in our our own hands. And I keep saying this. Because it's so bad, and because the left is more totalitarian and evil than ever, and the phony right has been exposed as more complacent and complicit as ever before, that means that our people have finally gotten the message. The question is what we do with it. It's all in our hands. Federal government is gone. Half the states are gone. That's a fact. I mean, if you live where I do in a state like Maryland, you got to move at some point. The question is, where do you move to? This is really the question. Because we don't have really any red states, but we can make them red overnight. Based on the angst and energy that we have among our people, it's not enough to fill up the country. It's enough to saturate a number of states, and it already is. I mean, think about it. If you just look at the election returns, with the cheating, all the places that Trump carried by substantial margins, and there are many, despite all of the negativity, and you couldn't even find a positive word about him anywhere on the internet algorithms. And still, 75 million people voted for him. So that means there's a lot of people that are gettable, but we're just turned off by him and the propaganda. Not all is lost. But we have to fight right now at a local and state level to make red states red again. That is a reality. That is our challenge. And I'm going to keep harping on that in different ways to achieve that. I know a lot of you are sending me emails, asking for details. And, and look, I'm one man. I'm trying. If you want to talk to me in person, you can meet me out in Front Sight, Nevada, together with our sponsor of today's show and this month, our partner, constitutioncoach.com. Check out all the details for three and five day trainings beginning February 7th, where you could learn concealed carry defensive shooting and have a great time with fellow patriots. Let's talk together um, and strategize. Because if we just get a couple of us really energized in some states and counties, we could do a lot of good. A lot of people are talking about 2024, Who's going to be the next leader? Is Trump going to run again? Is it going to be someone else? People are starting to talk about Ron DeSantis. And that if that is our discussion, we're screwed. We don't have four years. We have totalitarian shredding of the Bill of Rights right now. And we need to make red states red again right now. We have the opportunity more than ever with the energy we have In red America. But we have the imperative. Because we don't have red. Elected Republicans in most of these areas. And if we don't watch out. It's going to become blue. Like this trend going on. With all these people moving in. So. The issue is. We don't need Ron DeSantis. For president in 2024. We need Ron DeSantis. And people like him to be mayor, county executive, county commissioner, sheriff, and governor in every red part of America right now. And if they're not, they need to be pressured into doing the right thing. The energy is there. The imperative is there. And time is of the essence. Energy is there. Let me just tell you. I have a friend who's a talk show host in Pennsylvania, local station, pretty big station. And he made a mistake of having a thumbsucker on his show. I don't think he realized who he was. I could have told him. He let, let's just say he was a national review type of guy. He wasn't, he didn't work for National Review, but that type of guy. And he was on there like talking about get over the election, there was no problems. And this guy got so many calls in from listeners and he was scared he'd lose his audience. Now, he didn't agree with it, but he'd made a mistake having this guest on. Our people are ticked and for good reason. I put out a 10-minute video yesterday at Rumble. You could see, uh, subscribe to my Rumble channel, Horowitz Citizen Sanctuary. That's our movement. And I explain in a 10-minute video what exactly is bothering our people. But we need... Those who speak, speak to our needs. I've been talking about North Dakota, Wyoming. States where we have Trump winning by 35, 43 points respectively. Counties that he's carried. You know, I talked about North Dakota. Turns out that that county gave in, Williams County, North Dakota, they gave in to the mask mandate on children. Trump carried that county by a 70 point margin. (laughs) Ha ha. Okay, I think that's more than, I mean, that might be like what Biden carried uh, Manhattan or something like that. And yet, could you imagine Manhattan criminalizing homosexuality? That's the equivalent, but they don't have that. Every blue area, even a very light blue area, in terms of voting patterns in a presidential election, those elected officials are Marxists. Yet even in the reddest of red areas, those Republicans are uh, Marxists. (laughs) We have James Lankford from Oklahoma, a state where not a single county has voted for a Democrat since five elections ago. I believe 2000 is the last time a Democrat for president won a single county in the state yet. Now, Oklahoma City is getting close to tipping. And we're going to talk about that. But Lankford wrote a letter yesterday to his black constituents, whatever that means, Um, basically apologizing for objecting to the certification of the election. Now you might ask, like, what do blacks have to do with the price of tea in China? Like, you either believe that they changed election laws or not. You either believe that there is ballot harvesting or not. You either believe that the software is at least vulnerable and compromised or not. I mean, what does it have to do with blacks and apologizing? What? But folks, this is how every Republican thinks. The Democrats have made it everything about race and Republicans, every one of them, have pandered to it and internalized it. Governor Brian Kemp in Georgia, he ran as a law and order guy. He puts that on Twitter yesterday. In the tragic deaths of George Floyd and Ahmed Arbery, the entire nation witnessed injustice. With our own eyes, I was proud to support the peaceful protests that drew the world's attention to these terrible acts. He's talking about this as they are criminalizing peaceful protests of our people where one time a handful of people got violent. And now we know even then it was very much influenced by members of BLM. Obviously, Jonathan Sullivan, along with a CNN contract reporter, we now have on video. As leading the insurrection and getting Ashley Babbitt killed. Sullivan was arrested. And Jade Sacker, the reporter, wasn't. Why not? I don't know. Remember that was a conspiracy theory? And now one was, elect- was arrested and we saw that he happened to be right next to the worst casualty of the event. You mean to tell me there weren't more? This is what happened with COVID. This is what happened with BLM and George Floyd. This is what happened with, obviously, now with Capitol Hill. They come out with a lynch mob and a narrative, and they change society and law and rights based on a narrative, and it always turns out to be wrong. And every time the Republicans jump on it, and then they double down on it even when it's debunked, Brian Kemp, George Floyd? What? George Floyd? Like, what part of the Minnesota medical examiner's report doesn't he understand? The guy died of a heart attack because of the fentanyl and meth mixture overdose. That is a fact, which is why he couldn't breathe, and he was saying he couldn't breathe long before, but the cops had no way of knowing that because every time they try to cuff someone or put them in to a car and they resist, as Floyd did, and fight with them, they say, I can't breathe, even when they weren't doing anything to him. So when they had him down, it turns out that he didn't break his neck because there was no damage to the neck in the autopsy. He wasn't putting as much pressure as the video would appear. He was checking him, not choking him. He did nothing. Everyone was yelling, get off of him, get off of him, because they always do. That's why he didn't listen to them. It is abundantly clear from what we know already that there is no criminal case. At best, you could say, there is there a civil case that he didn't turn him over to medical care quickly enough? But again, it's hard to know when you're in that situation and they, 99% of the time they say they can't breathe and they're lying. In this case, they didn't know that he just took fentanyl and meth and had a heart condition mixed in. So he legitimately couldn't breathe even before they were cuffing him. So you have to understand, like, how would you know that? But that's neither here nor there. Then we get this Aubrey whatever person. Now, from what I know legitimately, this was a case where a, w- a white suspect killed him and because he was black. And that's terrible. And I think the guy should get the death penalty, as I always do. But let me tell you, for every one of those, there are hundreds of blacks that kill whites I mean, there's I mean, exponentially more than that, but often because racially motivated. And you never hear about that. Let me ask you a question once and for all. Are you doing black Americans a favor? Or let, let me put it this way: if, if you have a scenario where one side there's people among them that do, do, do this hundred times more, and you focus solely on the one when it's the other way around. Are you elevating blacks to a greater level, treating them equally, or treating them lower? Now, you might say they're elevating them to a greater level. But I would actually say they're treating them lower. Like, again, it's, it's kind of like I always talk about when you have kids. You know, you have a two-year-old, a three-year-old. Yay, you know, you did something cool. Yay, and you clap for them. But if you would clap for a 15-year-old doing that, it would be insulting. And it's the same thing. Are we treating them equally or not? This shameless pandering, Brian Kemp and Langford, but this is how they all act, even from red states. And this is partly why they're turning them blue. This is the issue. It, I don't care about the president. And frankly, a guy like Ron DeSantis couldn't do much. I mean, I think he's better than Trump in my mind, but he couldn't do much. I couldn't do anything. You couldn't do anything. The, the swamp is irremediably broken. And you don't have a united party to message and work together. It ta- One person can't do this. What we need is a Ron DeSantis at every level of government in the red states. And then, frankly, the presidential election won't even matter that much. That's in the here and now. Let, let, let me show you what the Democrat Party has. The contrast, Harold Ford, he ran for Senate in Tennessee, I believe in 2010 or 2012. Harold Ford, he was a congressman. Last decade, I guess now it's two decades ago, I'm getting old. He was the head of the DLC, the Democrat Leadership Council. That was regarded Like, you know, that was when you had MoveOn.org, and then you had Obama, like the radical left of the time. And Harold Ford was regarded as like the triangulation Bill Clinton-era Democrats. He was regarded as the leader of the moderate Democrats, okay? Back then. He recently did an interview on cable news, and, and people on the internet have noted that I don't know if he realized or not that he was showing it in the camera. He had a life-size photo, uh, you know, portrait hanging on his wall of Mao. Of Mao. He is the most, he was the leader of the so-called moderate Democrats. And he's a communist. And yet we can't even get Republicans from the reddest states to not be communists. Like to be plain liberals. That asymmetry cannot go on. That's where we got to put our energy. My, my concern is people are going to be too focused on like Liz Cheney. I mean, she needs to go, of course. And like, oh, there's 14. But well, what are there, 200 and uh, I don't know, 210 or so House Republicans? Our problem is not that there's 14 rhinos out of 210. We'd have a pretty good party. Problem is we only have like 14 conservatives. And you go in the Senate, there's almost not a single one. And governors, we only have like two or three out of 27. And and down the ballot, state legislature, county, we have the same problem. That's the issue. And folks, here is the imperative. Here is why time is of the essence. We're losing county after county We're losing city after city. This is why we need to fortify and fortify really, really quickly. I mean really quickly. There's an article that came out earlier this week by Mark Pulliam, a friend of mine. Um, Mark Pulliam is from Tennessee. He writes at Law and Liberty... Blogs at Miss Rule of Law. We talk about judicial supremacism a lot. Good guy. And he has an amazing article in The Federalist titled, Leftists are colonizing red towns like mine, and local Republicans are clueless. Very important article. And it's very important for the time we live in. As a resident of a small town in East Tennessee, I regret to report that wokeness is everywhere even in the brightest red areas of Republican-majority states. My town is home to a small 200-year-old Presbyterian-affiliated liberal arts college that appears to be an island of sanity in higher education, but it's not, and neither is the rest of the town. When we relocated here from Austin, my wife and I imagined the school was comparable to Hillsdale, except nestled in the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. My wife and I quickly learned the reality is otherwise when a supposedly faith-based lecture we attended on campus was devoted to te- the teachings of Karl Marx rather than Jesus, the lecturer who teaches religious studies of Skidmore College at Skidmore College is the daughter of the host school's e- equally leftist campus minister. We were chagrined to learn that the local public library, in a county that voted for President Trump by a margin of seventy-one twenty-seven, maintains a curated anti-racism reading list that includes controversial fairs such as Ibram Kendi's How to Be an Anarchist, Robbins' D'Angelo's White Fragility, and Ta'Nisi Coates' Between the World and Me. Ignoring the blight homeless people inflict on library users across America, the lo- local library also provides office space to newly formed organizations serving the homeless with, with which the library works as a partner, even engaging in street outreach the library staffer leading the initiative is predictably a graduate of the local leftist college. Even though the area is overwhelmingly Republican, the local paper is unfailingly and obnoxiously left. The editor editor admits that one of his life's greatest disappointments was being interviewed by the Washington Post and getting turned down for the job. Complacency is a problem for East Tennessee they are so used to Republicans winning elections that they falsely assume victory is automatic. It is not. The first step in electing sound candidates to local office is to make sure that someone representing your values is running. Nonpartisan offices such as the local school board are hugely important, but often conservative parents and taxpayers lose by default. Some really good points he makes here. It's, it's absolutely a must read. For the for, for our sanctuary project making right states red again. Most state most residents of small towns are trusting, good natured people who naively believe that civic leaders will do the right thing. East Tennesseans are nice, and they assume that their niceness will be reciprocated. Sadly, all too often local elected officials betray this trust in order to dole out political favors or do the bidding of business cronies. For example, our Republican county mayor, the most powerful local elected official, supported the opening of a methadone clinic located near a daycare center. Astonishingly, the owner of the methadone clinic is one of the biggest supporters of the Democrat activist who was recently elected to the city council. In short, weak leadership, public inattention, lack of organization, and general complacency make small towns vulnerable to the aggression by liberal activists. Wokeness can be resisted successfully when the majority of voters actively oppose it. But in the absence of political resistance, the left's agenda will take over as inexorably as the rising tide. Unless rural voters in states like Tennessee wake up, they may find that their communities have become knockoffs of Portland, Minneapolis, Austin, or Nashville. Like it or not, small towns are embroiled in the national cultural war. They must fight back or they will lose. This is is one of the most important articles on the web this week. Again, Mark Pulliam, the Federalist leftists are colonizing red towns like mine. And this is going to happen more and more because what's happening is basically we elect these loser Republicans. One of two things happens. You elect loser Republicans, and then what happens is they're like Democrats. So over time, everyone's complacent anyway, and they make the culture of the place not so offensive to Democrats that sometimes Democrats, you'll be surprised, they actually get elected. Either they're nonpartisan offices, and they're really Democrats, or they're, like this guy said, this you know, 7127 uh, Trump County, but you have a Democrat that was elected to the town council. That This is where the fight needs to be. Stop focusing on the presidential election four years away. This is where it is. Part of what's happening is this. We can't live in blue areas. They're hell. But do you know who else can't live in them? A lot of Democrats. The crime. The lockdowns. All this stuff. So what happens is it's the perfect storm of low taxes, low regulations in certain ways so they can get jobs in red areas. Nice scenery. Lower crime for now. So they're like, hey, this is a great place. Now, everyone's asked me, Daniel, how do you prevent this from happening then? Isn't it kind of counterintuitive that the better we have a laboratory of democracy to reflect our values, which we believe are the best way for people to prosper, well, and and the more hellish that blue America becomes, aren't they going to migrate? But here's the issue. If we made those areas as red as the blue areas are blue if they didn't reflect the wokeness homosexual culture, if they didn't reflect all those values, these guys wouldn't want to live there. But they do because they know they can and they can co-opt it. But that's the thing. If we took over and it was like, this is MAGA town, just as as much as San Francisco is a gay bathhouse, then the gay bathhouse wouldn't move in. But it's not like that. And that's, that's what needs to happen. We need to go library by library, school by school, and, and organize and, and do what the left does. And do book banning. You will not have anti-American books. You will not have anti-American curriculum. That's the only way we can't have this one-sided fight. All things equal, we're all the type to just ignore politics and live our lives. But while we're ignoring it, the left is tightening the noose around our neck in areas that Trump carried by 50 points. Now, there's something wrong. If Trump carried an area by 50 points, now, it's not that Trump is the most conservative guy around, but the perception of the public is that he is, and the media trashes him beyond belief that if you're voting for him, despite all that, you have to be pretty well-grounded. And yet, even in that, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about, like, you know, like a Republican suburb that's like 55-45 Republican. I mean, we should certainly win those too. But I'm talking about, we're not even starting in areas that it's it's 70-30, 80-20. Amazing, amazing article by Mark Pulliam. Wow. It, It just, kudos to him for writing that. That is where we need to be focused. All those positions at a county level, they matter. And we got to get together. One person never wants to go out on a limb and it's understandable. You have to have groups of like 15 where you divide up the labor. One deals with the school, one deals with the library, one deals with the county commission, one deals with the sheriff. And we have a 10 point plan. Maybe I'll I'll draft such a thing. 10 things, like a checklist of things That serve as the cultural fulcrum of making an area Marxist or keeping it free and pro American and traditional. And I'm telling you, Trump won 83% of America's counties, even with the cheating. Like, for example, Erie County is officially blue. It's not true. I believe he won it, but you get the point. We do that, folks. And we will be in business. Make American counties make red counties and red states red again. Now, folks, one of the things we're up against in trying to make red states red again, and that has to be at the top of our agenda, is obviously the sanctuary movement we're talking about, particularly a sanctuary for First Amendment rights. Now, a lot of you saw last night the news... That really was only among conservatives, which, by the way, is why they need to censor, because um, if you didn't have any ability for us to communicate, no one would find out about this. But this guy, John Sullivan, a BLM guy was arrested for literally he he, he was saying on video, we did it. We did it. He led Ashley Babbitt in. He led these guys in. Um, There's a lot of questions about who that shooter was and capital, the Capitol Hill policeman where you just see a hand and it's like almost like it was targeted and he was waiting for it. Um, like I've said before, I mean, I am a big fan of, you know, law enforcement defending themselves. And when you have people that are unruly and charging, I don't care if they're unarmed you, if you feel threatened, you could shoot. But usually what you would see is like, it would be the first burst of, you know, someone coming towards you, you come in a scene and you're just confused and you just start shooting away. But this was like, a pre-planned, one calculated, very well aimed shot at one random person. And it just didn't make sense. And then I said from day one, it happened to be that the famous BLM guy was just near her. And now we know from other analysis on video, there was at least one of the other guy that was banging on the glass with his helmet was also an Antifa guy, likely. So the reason why this is so important Because everyone's all the thumb suckers, you know, these phony conservatives are like, well, Daniel, stop blaming Antifa. They're Trump people. It's not that no Trump supporter was a fringe person and did something wrong. That's not what we're saying and that no one should be prosecuted. But what we are saying is what this demonstrates is that. Even the one time, the worst time ever, the right so-called got violence amidst the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times that the left has gotten violent and and is continuously violent. It was egged on by the very organization that they exalt and support and that also burnt down America. And what it also demonstrates is what I'm trying to do is exonerate everyone else and to show what they did. There's some great first-hand accounts of how everyone was confused. They didn't know what was going on. No one came to riot. There were like these random people. Some of them on the very sinister right, but a number of them Antifa and BLM. And these guys were just, I mean, they were just having a normal rally. And suddenly they saw the cops pepper spray them. And they couldn't figure out, like, why are the cops attacking us? They didn't even know what happened. It was chaos designed to fail. This wasn't any honest person looking at this wouldn't say this ubiquitous right wing terrorism that we have a national emergency for. It was a breakdown of it was it was the worst mix of a number of factors. The breakdown of preparedness. They let them in. Then they lost control. Then they overreacted in the wrong way and ticked off people that that really weren't trying to attack the police. And then you had the agent provocateurs. That's what any honest person would see. Yet what they're doing is they're criminalizing the existence of these people. Do you understand you have 20,000 troops there? When you had at Trump's inauguration, people beaten left and right, smashed private storefronts, and nothing. And here, 20,000 troops, there's nothing going on. It's a stable environment. It's a blood libel. You have all the way as far out as New Mexico, the governor declaring an emergency and limiting gatherings. This is the new COVID. It's a lie. That's what's important about this. How this came about. You know, I just heard from one of our listeners, they were driving in Atlanta. Okay? Okay? And saw a billboard sign for the FBI asking people for tips regarding the Capitol Hill incident. They managed to get a billboard down as far as Atlanta. This quickly. Now you think about how Antifa destroyed Atlanta last year. Through fireworks, flaming objects into ice buildings. People were breaking into police cars at Georgia Tech's campus and they stole patrol rifles. They had looters steal over 40 firearms from a gun shop near the George Floyd protest in Atlanta. There was no government sign about tips. That should scare you all. That should scare all of us. Where are they headed with this? And I'll tell you where they're headed with this. They're headed with this in a way that is going to criminalize our existence. You know, DOJ put out a memo, one of their documents, that through Apple, you know, they can never utilize Apple to... Get information about terrorists, but agents were able to recover data from photos, videos, chats, and messages from January 4th through January 7th. And they're basically tracking down anyone who was there. Makes no sense. It makes no sense. At the same time, folks, we have fascism everywhere. A New Jersey gym owner, they seized $165,000 from his account for opening his business. Have we become desensitized to the point that this is not even news? Where is the Supreme Court? Where is the litigation? Where are all these Republican judges? This is a very dark place. And and it's scary the fact that even I don't have a solution other than let's at least make the red states red again. I mean, in the blue states, we literally have North Korea and there's nothing we can do about it. I mean, that is the scary thought. In those areas, they could do anything to us. Like if they would declare an emergency now and say, look, you know, we have right-wing COVID terrorism and therefore we're going to lock up Every guy that has very sharp inflammatory right wing stuff on the internet. Do you think we'd have a recourse? Oh Daniel, come on, the courts are the courts aren't gonna aren't gonna go for that. They won't violate habeas corpus. They'll they'll let you go in front of the court. You'll get an arraignment, and the court will say you need to be held on without bail because of the times we live in. By the way, I've seen that already. I can't remember where it was, but one of these court cases, one of these arraignments for one of the Capitol Hill guys, I saw where the judge actually said, in the times we live in, gave very stiff um, bail. These same bastard judges that are letting out repeat violent offenders left and right, they're like, we have to see the times we live in. And that's what's scary. Law used to be very mechanical and technical. It was supposed to be devoid of any influence from media and passion and anything. Now, the media, they determine what is a national security threat. And they determine the law. And judges act accordingly. What scares me is how have we lost more freedom and become less... Vigilant in guarding those liberties, than Europe. You know, in Italy, they had fifty thousand restaurants open up in one day. They banded together as an alliance in one mass display of civil disobedience. Here, we only have a few here and there, and they get picked off and arrested. That's going to be our challenge: strength in numbers. How to harness that? We have the numbers. The question is, what, where, when, and how? And this is really the question we have to answer. So speaking of local organizing in red states, red counties, making red states red again, I want to introduce you to America's constitutional coach, Rick Green. We've been talking about him and his organization, constitutioncoach.com, our partner together with this show this month, our special trip out to Front site, Nevada where we're going to shoot together, we're going to train together, we'll get to meet each other, so many of us that we never met each other, you never met me. Um, everyone's asking, what could we do? What could we do? How could we meet fellow patriots? Well, this is where it's going to happen. Now, Rick Green is a former Texas legislature, so he knows exactly what it means to fight back at a local level. He has terrific videos. I want you guys to just just Google Rick Green Constitution. Amazing lectures on the Constitution. I've actually been using some of them for my, my son's, my fifth grade's uh, homeschool lesson. He is also, he hosts a national radio show with David Barton and Patriot Academy. He's hooked in with them. This is a terrific grassroots organization I want you guys to get involved with. I'm getting all these emails from you. What could I do? What could I do? Well, we're going to have answers in the coming days, but it starts with hooking up with America's Constitution Coach. And speaking of the devil, Rick, thanks for joining us today.
0: <laughs> hey, Daniel. Great to be with you, man. I'm super excited about this uh, partnership and giving people tangible action steps.
1: Perfect. So I want to start off just with the nuts and bolts. Um of February 7th and that whole week, there's a couple different dates there that people could check out on the calendar there, constitutioncoach.com. Discuss some of what you're doing, just the schedule, and what you want people to take away from this trip.
0: Well, just for a, first of all, just from a personal benefit uh, perspective, we've been doing this long before things got crazy. Uh, I don't care where you live in America. There's 1.2 million violent crimes in America every year, even before the craziness of 2020. Uh, And you got to be able to defend yourself and defend your family. And so we've been doing this uh, since I got fired up about it uh, because I used to think I could handle whatever situation type a I'd step up, but I wasn't trained. I didn't even carry, I had a license for 15 years and didn't carry um, out of a concern that I wouldn't, you know, use it properly. And so after I did this training the first time, it absolutely changed my life changed how I act, how I walk, I mean, everything. And it, and it really does give you a different perspective on things. So it's just a really, really good training just for that, just for you personally to be prepared to defend your family. Should something bad happen, well, you know, hopefully it doesn't, but we should be prepared. So that's number one. Number two is the constitutional training so that we can start learning how to properly defend our freedom and how to assert those rights like john jay talked about he said if you don't know your rights you're not going to recognize they've been violated and you won't be prepared to defend and assert them so that's what we're doing and, and it's like a, a little bastion of sanity if you will daniel i mean people are coming together we have several hundred that come together at a time and, and you're around other patriots from across the country you can wear a mask if you want but very few people do it's a chance to just be around normal people and some normalcy and have some <laughs> great fellowship talk about the country talk about freedom but also start talking about tangible action steps and learn more about the Constitution than you ever thought you could while also learning to defend yourself.
1: Isn't that true? You know, when I went out there, I told you my first thing. I was like, this is like a carnival atmosphere for, for conservatives. It's, it's like this is the sanctuary. I mean, that should be the <laughs> first uh, American constitutional sanctuary we have uh, out there in the desert. Just good patriots, um, terrific staff. They're the best uh, um, instructors you could ever find. So it's certainly a lot of fun.
0: And and the facility, you know, the facility, it's just, uh, it's the best instructors on the planet. It's a, it's a huge facility. They train 50,000 people a year. And it doesn't matter if you've never touched a gun in your life or you've been shooting your whole life. They're, they're going to incredibly increase your skill. They're going to get you comfortable with it. Um, It's incredibly safe. It's, 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 uh, it's just a great environment. It's fun. And same with the Constitution class. You know, look, I hated history and government in high school because it was boring. I didn't have good teachers. Well, now we make it fun and exciting, and we make it personal. We make it where, hey, look, you can do something with this. It's not just about memorizing, you know, dates and names or clauses in the Constitution. It's like, what does this mean to you? What does it mean to your family? And how do you get it back? And how do you fight for this at your state legislature? How How do you lobby a legislator? How do you How do you help your city council and and county commissioners to do this right on the local level? I mean, these are real tangible steps we're talking about here.
1: And and I was shocked at how many even of my fellow conservatives, they didn't know their rights. So it was like COVID. And everyone like starts talking about debating the science and data. And they didn't realize I said, dude, we have Article 4 where there are privileges and immunities that states – not just the feds. States cannot violate. Now, there wasn't an enforcement mechanism against them. The 14th Amendment um, created an enforcement mechanism for the feds to go in if states are violating privileges and immunities. But, like, you, it's not like, oh, you're a state government. You could do whatever you want. You could, you know, be like Pharaoh. You could subjugate people. Like, no, that's not okay. It's not like we hold a press conference and say, hey, um, here's what we're doing. Your businesses are shut. Your mouths are closed. Like... No, it doesn't work that way, and people don't even understand. I mean, just like you're seeing today, like, oh, we're gonna impeach Trump after he's out of office. Like, whoa, uh huh. No, no, that that's that's not in there. So this is very important. What is the mix? What is the schedule? Like, what what could people expect when they arrive? It's a pretty grueling schedule. It's very packed, right?
0: it is very much so we try to get in as much as we can and and if i could daniel before i go there i want to say something about what you just said because you know we saw this with the whole election thing as well where courts didn't even look at the facts the courts totally failed us in 2020 but they did the same thing with COVID. We don't. We, the courts never looked at, is there really a compelling interest here for the government to step in? No, but I, I don't know of any court that really looked at that evidence. They all just said, we're going to trust the health people. We're going to trust the health people. So there was never a compelling interest proved. There was n- no question of whether or not it was narrowly tailored or least restricted. I mean, all these things that, you know, for decades, there's been a constitutional analysis there of whether or not government can intervene, and they never... It's gone. You have a Newsweek article.
1: A Newsweek article, and by the way, I was going to publish this. I believe there are close to 50 published studies, even with the censorship, there would have been more, that have demonstrated there is zero correlation with any of the non-pharmaceutical measures, a.k.a. fascism, um, with better results. I mean, and we're like, you know, we realized that in April, okay, May, June, July, like, at some point that's got a factor but it's like we're following the science well well what about the constitution like you know there is a a document you can't just do whatever you want Um, so that's really, we need to know the
0: right questions to ask, right? Our people need to know the right questions to ask they need to know those terms and be able to ask their legislators. And, and if you have a chance, I mean, a lot of times you go to some of these receptions and things in your local area and the local judge will be there. Well, engage them in conversation about that and how that works and how that part of the constitution works. So that's, that's the kind of tangible stuff we're talking about. And I'm sorry to go down a little trail there, but the, I mean, in terms of the schedule, it is, it's grueling. But it's good. It's fun too. You'll, 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 have, you'll be on a high of just enjoying what you're doing. But in the evenings, we study the Constitution together. And during the day, you're on the range most of the day or in the classroom with, with lectures. Because so a lot of this, Daniel, is mental as well. It's not just the, the physical ability to defend yourself. It's the mental awareness and the mental... Um, uh, being ready for a situation like that, having thought through that and know yep. that you're willing to defend your family. So there's, uh, there's an eight to five schedule on the range or in the classroom for those kind of things. And then in the evening, uh, we study together on the constitution. And uh, it's, 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 like I said, it's great fellowship as well. i tell you what people will leave with. They'll leave with a readiness to defend the family, but they're also going to leave with a hope for, for freedom again. They're going to leave knowing they're not alone, that there are other people out there that feel the same way, that love the country, that love the Constitution, that want to get back to some sense of normalcy, that want to actually restore these things and be able to enjoy these freedoms again. And, and that really helps. Even if you go back to your community where you think you're alone, you're not. There are other people there as well. But there's something about coming together. It's like coals. When they come together, they heat up. And and this is just a great chance to come together and encourage each other. Iron sharpening iron is what I like to call it. Really sharpening each other's countenance. Uh, And it's a fun time, too. You'll enjoy it. But you're going to go home thinking differently, uh, acting differently, and having action steps to, to spread that freedom in your community as well.
1: I always thought that, man, if I only had a right to carry in Maryland, I'd immediately carry. And that was the only barrier. But, but again, even if you do in most states, you do have the right to carry, um, you should be disciplined in it. And and that's the Absolutely. thing. Just be. What I learned the most is just because I'm a good target shooter, like, you know, at a range, that's not what a defensive situation looks like. So they're going to teach you things that might even, for me, was a little bit frustrating. Like, oh, what do I have to do this? Like, this is annoying. You know, the, what I'm doing works for me. Well, yeah, it works for you to get the thing on the target at the range, but the target's not moving and the target's not shooting at you or aiming at you or charging you. Um, So that's really the training you're going to get. It's also, by the way, you know, um, I don't want to diss your your other uh, uh, trips later in the year, but go now (laughs) in February because you don't want to be in the desert when it's hot. It's pretty brutal. February in a desert is beautiful. It might even be a little chilly, but it's certainly not going to be oppressively hot so and
0: they get to meet you. I mean, why would you want to go at any other time if you can go in February meet Daniel Horowitz? I mean, come on, folks. Yeah, we have trips all year long, but you got if you want to meet Daniel, if you want to come and spend time with Daniel, you got to register quick. This one closes in just a few days because they ha- have to do a background check and all these things. So, so make wait, sure you wait, get ready. What is quick. the date
1: it closes? It, it'll close
0: in about five days. So five you got to be days. done in the ne- in just the next few days. Uh constitutioncoach.com. It's real quick and easy to to register and get and get signed up. And, and Daniel, what you were just saying is so important. I mean, even if you have a license to carry, and, and I'm, look, I'm for constitutional carry. I'm for all those things. I think you have a, a, a legit constitutional right. In fact, a God-given what the Founding Fathers called the first law of nature right to defend yourself. But you should get trained. Don't just stick a gun in your pocket or on your hip or in your glove box. And carry it without training. You really need to know how to use that weapon effectively and safely for yourself and your family. So don't don't be a fool like I was for really 15 years. Uh, go go get the training that you need. And and like I said, it's fun and you'll have great fellowship. But you got to get registered the next few days if you want to do the February 7th trip with Daniel.
1: Sure, and and also. It, it's very it's very time consuming. So if you guys want to make a broader vacation out of it, schedule in extra days because those days are packed. You know, on the range and then you know in the classroom there. So they are full full days. And if we want to have time to meet up together, maybe we'll even do a show together, a live town hall with the audience, and you guys could uh, be part of a live show. We'll have a lot of fun. What are some of the things? Just you know, if people have questions, what they need to bring. Um, should they bring their own gun? Do they should they rent it? The ammo, holsters, what sort of things do people need to bring?
0: Great question. Um first of all, just cost to go. It's literally one tenth of the normal cost to do this training. This is normally for the three-day training, thousand bucks, but with us it's only ninety-nine dollars. The two the five day training is normally two thousand. With us, it's only 199 So you're literally paying 10% of what you normally would. Um, you can get your ammo there. If you have ammo, you can bring it and you can check with TSA a certain amount of ammo. Uh, but if you, it's much easier just to get it there. You can bring your own gun. You need to check out the rules for your airline that you're flying with if you're going to do that. But we also have rentals that are available and, and that's the easiest typically uh, to do. And so you can do all of that at the website. Um, In terms of of prep and and things to bring, you know, really, I mean, it could be, you know, February, we we don't know how cold it'll be. So dressing layers is typically cold in the morning when we start and then it warms up as the sun breaks. uh, And and so, you know, you want to bring warm clothes, comfortable shoes. uh, You know, you don't have to dress in a bunch of tactical gear or any of that stuff, but definitely, you know, comfortable shoes. And if you, if you uh, are bringing your own gun, make sure you bring a, a mag pouch and, couple extra mags we, t- we recommend having three mags because you do end up doing a lot of shooting and, and we also teach you how to change bags and all that very quickly and, um, and anyway there's a there's a whole list on the website so once you get on there and, and start to register it'll tell you everything you need to bring all you need to do to be prepared for it um, gives you links to hotels and airbnbs and things in the area where you can stay And uh, and we've taken, I mean, Daniel, man, we've had, I think we're up to well over a thousand people that we have personally taken through this constitutional defense course there and, and another couple of thousand that have gone there on their own, but then done my constitution training while they were there. Um, we, we have never had anybody say, man, I wish I hadn't done that, or that wasn't worth it. Everybody. And I can give you interview after interview of people saying, oh my gosh, that was incredible. I learned so much by the first day I'm going home with so much hope. I'm so glad I came. And I'm talking about some people that never touched a gun before. And by the end of the training, they said, I'm totally comfortable with my weapon now. Um, and that, that's a, that's an important feeling. I mean, look, it, it's not, uh, it's actually foolish to not be prepared to defend yourself especially with all the mobs out there and all the crazy stuff that's going on this is just a smart step for people to take
1: yep no i mean and 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 like they say there's no such thing as a silver bullet and you know you you have that narrow window between using the lethal force that needs to be used or 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 the force that needs to be used to stop a, an individual and then also not having the um, fascists that don't believe in the right to self-defense but believe in the right to crime clamp down on you in the legal system. So that's what you'll learn as well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we even have talks on what do you do about the criminal and civil liability. I mean, even if you're 100% in the right, um, depending on where you are, there can be all kinds of problems and how do you deal with that. And uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really well thought out. What, what really blew me away the first time I went almost a decade ago Um, was just how professional the training was. You know, I expected to go out there and there'd be some former Navy SEALs that are really good at shooting and they're going to show me what they do and I've got to figure it out. And it's exactly the opposite. I mean, the instructors don't show off. It's not about how good they are, even though they're amazing. Um, It's all about what's going to make you better. And they have the curriculum down to a science. I mean, every minute is scheduled. They know they because they've trained so many people, They know how to help you get better, and uh, it's just phenomenal. But I, I really do the mental aspect of it, actually thinking through these things. What would I do in that situation? Have I thought through the moral and ethical questions of is it okay for me to stop this threat and potentially have to take that person's life in order to save my family's life? To actually think through that stuff is vitally important. Otherwise, you freeze up in that situation. And your family is the one that ends up getting hurt. So those things are all part of that curriculum. Uh, and it's just inc- an incredible opportunity. We really we want tens of thousands of people to go through this with us because we want them to be prepared to defend their family. And we want them to be prepared to, to, to defend their community and, and to be prepared to, uh, to to make sure that freedom's going to survive. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now in our nation. And what a great opportunity to get with with great minds like yourselves, and where we could actually talk about what can we actually do. I'm tired of just having to, you know, sit around the fire and talk about freedom. I want to actually take the action yes. steps and teach other people how to do the same. And that's where we are. And I think that's what people will find when they come out with you.
1: Oh, this is very exciting. We're really looking forward to it. Again, folks, it's just just five days till that deadline. So if you haven't done it and you're interested, and the scheduling works out. Um, make sure you go to constitutioncoach.com now, check out all the information. Um, you could email me if you have any questions, just, you know, just logistics or any, you know, there's nothing too small or big, um, that concerns you. And and again, like I'm just telling you, you know, sometimes people don't want to take off extra days, but they often go on a vacation once or twice a year. I'd make this a, a vacation. Once you're flying out there, you could visit Death Valley as close to, uh close by there's other things the deserts in in Nevada
0: the Mojave it's be, it's become our favorite place to go it's like our family, it's where our family gets away you know unplugs from everything else and actually enjoy i've had some of my best father Son time, father-daughter wow. time, my wife and I. I mean, it's, it really is. It's a great it, – it, it's not – this is not a drill sergeant situation. It's it's enjoyable. Y- you um, know, and, I, and I found
1: is- that. I found that. So I'm glad you mentioned that. So there's a narrow window. There's like those that are just kind of like ho-hum. You know, I did that a little bit locally here. It was kind of like – it was fun and everything. But they don't push you. They don't push you to hone in on your skills. And then you could have like a drill sergeant. And, you know, this is not the military and people don't want that. But they're very, very nice, very friendly, but they'll they'll work you. They see you doing something wrong. They'll they'll make you get that muscle memory, do the drills, um, and make sure you come out that you don't slip through and, and you know and, and you don't miss some of, of the training.
0: Yeah, and they see still one of the things that always blows me away is they see things that I would never figure out on my own, (laughs) right? I mean, they because of their experience and seeing so many different students that they're like, Hey, Rick, if you'll move your finger here, or you'll stand this way, or you'll you know have this part of your arm touch. I mean, just all these little bitty things that I would Daniel, you're doing the chicken dance,
1: you're doing the chicken dance again (laughs) with with reholstering, you know, like you're slapping the trigger, and and they see it, they see it with everyone. It's amazing, like, like I can they'll catch it every time. So, um. It was really a lot of fun. Make sure to bring chapstick, by the way. It's so dry there that 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 really yes. surprised me. I was never in we'll the desert. We'll have the
0: sunscreen for you. We have these big old, it feels like they're 50 gallon gala drums, but they're not. They're huge. Well, even in February, we'll make sure the sunscreen's going and, and lots of water to drink. And yeah, I mean, there's, they, they, that part of it's very important, too. So,
1: where could people find out in general, aside from constitutioncoach.com for this trip um, and others? Where to find some of your work, what you do. You also have a Philadelphia uh, trip to Independence Hall.
0: Yeah, that, that website's the easiest place to go because also at the top of the page, you'll see Daniel's name. So when you go to that page at constitutioncoach.com, uh, you'll see Uncle Sam there saying, Know your rights. But then right below that, you'll see a video with Daniel. And that's where you click to, to get more information about the February 7th trip and then the other dates we have in the spring. But then right below that, you can also learn about some of our Constitution classes. We've got uh, over 4,000 Constitution coaches now across the country hosting classes in their living rooms or at their local library or at their church or wherever. Uh, and that's a big part of this is just getting together with fellow patriots in your community, studying these things. we got to have the intellectual ammunition. we got to have the yes. intellectual knowledge. Uh, to be able to to even know when those rights are have been violated, so all of that's available at the website there. Oh, and if they just want to study online, they can. They can watch those videos. They can take the class. Daniel, we give away all of that Constitution teaching for free. So that that's a that's a way for you to get educated and to teach other people as well.
1: And look, if we just took those four thousand and grew them and continuously grew them, and made them county organizers in a given area, especially in those red areas, I'm telling you we could it. take back local government and 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 again like we're not talking about debating what day is trash collection we're talking about civilization national issues being fought for and defended at a local level and that's why it's also so important people forget every local official a sheriff county executive they swear an oath to the federal constitution in addition to the state you know respective state constitutions which a lot of people forget about as well and um, they they have that responsibility. I mean, you know, Rick, I wrote this yesterday regarding the sanctuary, the constitutional sanctuary movement that we're trying to grow that, you know, everyone's so caught up with the federal courts, their power and right to declare things unconstitutional. And they missed the point. John Marshall and Marbury, it was even the courts, but certainly the executive and federal and both at a and, and legislative, both at a federal and state level. Everyone has a responsibility to fight for and use their respective powers only in concert with the Constitution, and to use that to check someone else who's not. So, if a federal court is ordering people locked up for First Amendment, then the executive branches have an you know an obligation to push back and say, "Look, we we can't arrest someone for that." I'm um, just like if you know the executive arrests someone illegally, the court has to say no; they they can't go to jail. It goes in a circle. We all have a responsibility to uphold That's the law right. what's the law not the 8pm flatulence uh, press conference from some executive saying hey this is the curfew i'm doing tonight you know here here here's what we decided no it's the constitution and we have to know first what's in it and again you got to defend it you got to defend yourself you got to learn how to defend yourself from all these you know BLM antifa folks on drugs um, heck, you know, the, the, the media is telling us there's a right wing terrorist at every corner. So you got to know how to defend yourself against them as well. Um, and that's the thing. It doesn't matter who it is. If your life is in danger, you have, um, a right and obligation to defend yourself, but you got to do it smartly and you got to do it with the right training. Um, uh, Rick, any, 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 you- any parting words?
0: Well, I I was just going to say you nailed it yesterday on all of those things. I mean, if if people are listening now and and didn't listen yesterday, get on the podcast app or wherever you listen to Daniel and and listen to yesterday's because, I mean, that is the difference between we're not a pure republic. We're a constitutional republic. And and that's why that document is the law, not what some representative uh, uh, overrides that document to be or even a even a governor. And and you also talk about the importance of it's not just the courts that can determine constitutionality. In fact, that's what we teach in our courses. One of the myths of the judiciary is that only the Supreme Court can determine constitutionality and absolutely not true. And and last thing I'll say is on that local level, you know, we know COVID in the, and using COVID, not COVID, but the COVID crackdowns have killed all these businesses. But what people aren't talking about and what we will be talking about with these constitutional sanctuary counties is they were already killing the businesses with these ridiculous regulations on the local level that these, that these cities have been, have been doing. They were choking them out. And then use the COVID crackdowns to just just put an end to it. And so we're we're going to be turning back all of that at the at the local levels where we get involved and actually living in freedom again. And if people that excites people, if you if you're looking for. Um, folks that 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 think like you and that that want to actually do something about this and create some areas where we truly have freedom, man, you need to be there on the seventh so you can hear Daniel talk about it and we'll have some fun. I, I love the idea of doing a live show, man. That would be phenomenal to be able to all those people to participate and then everybody else be able to hear it. That'd be awesome.
1: We are going to blow up the joint, and again, th- this is how to have an American revolution, not a French revolution. This is how you That's have right. ordered liberty. Um, this is what all of our people are about. And and I think this is a terrific opportunity again. Constitutioncoach.com, our partner for this month here at CR Podcast at Blaze Media. Folks, have a terrific weekend. This has been a really good week. Um, productive in terms of formulating plans, even though it is a dark time, but right before that dawn is when it's darkest. But we gotta be prepared for that dawn, for that sunrise, how to best utilize it. So again, join Rick Green and I at constitutioncoach.com, in front site, Nevada, uh, the 7th of February. We will rock and roll till next week. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.